SummerSlam is right around the corner, and if you need some WWE action, you gotta download the new mobile game from Sega, WWE Tap Mania. Sega's WWE Tap Mania lets you become a superstar, jump into the ring, and unleash the mania. Plus, you can build a team of your favorite superstars and legends. It's the best quick break game around. Download WWE Tap Mania right now for free in the App Store and Google Play. Also, make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mal Rubin, Chris Ryan, and the maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airing of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones streams exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode and can be found on the Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting the same time as you, talking about all the events, and explaining everything that just happened. Again, the show is called Talk to Thrones. You can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones, or watch it later on. And you can find it on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm David Shoemaker. This is Dave Schilling. This is. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Listen, it's been an exciting week in the pro wrestling world. We got SummerSlam right around the corner, a mere uh, 10-ish days away. And uh, uh, are you ready for it? I'm pregnant, and I haven't taken a dump since Wednesday morning. What the hell was what that? The, that was what really, the, uh, I don't know what the, um, I get so scared when Braun Strowman interrupts me for any reason. Especially when he's quoting Juno. <laughs> he's not ready to Guys, be a mom. If you haven't seen the table read the ringer.com did with Braun Strowman yet, please check it out right now. It's on, uh, it, it's on, well, it's, it's on the website, but you can also check out my Twitter and, uh, and, and, uh, the at mask man show. It'll be pinned right up to the top. Braun Strowman has done a lot of things. He's had a big year. This might be the most, the biggest thing he's done. Most definitely. Even if he wins the Universal title next, uh, next week or week, whenever, at SummerSlam, this is the highlight, in my opinion. This is a pinnacle of his career. Um, we're going to talk about SummerSlam. I think we already know everything that's going to happen, so we're just going to jump right ahead to a SummerSlam preview, and then uh, next week we're going to do the exact same thing all over again. <laughs> um no, SummerSlam is going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. One weird, I, 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 I want to start off the show by telling you about a rabbit hole I went down last night. This is, uh, I was rewatching Raw after I watched SmackDown. I had a very weird, like I watched Raw, most of Raw live when it came on. This is really un, uninteresting. And then I watched the last hour of SmackDown followed by the first hour of SmackDown followed by rewatching Raw with a lot of fast forwarding. So it's all a blur for me right now. Um, but I was rewatching Raw, and uh, and Jason Jordan had his excellent little match against local uh, area Canadian wrestler 
Robert Goulet was that his name? Jean Pierre, I think, right? Jean Pierre Goulet. It was a it was a mashup of old wrestler names. Obviously, Jean Pierre Lafitte. I don't know if that was the the direct uh, precedent, but I'm I'm guessing it was. But the but you know Robert Goulet, I'm sure, is where everybody's mind went. I'm I guarantee where they get all these names is from you know like the WWE history books. Um, the, the 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 direct wrestling reference is Rene Goulet, who is I'm sure you can find him on the network, definitely on YouTube. Was a was a great Canadian uh, Canadian wrestler back in his day, referred referred to as the number one Frenchman, which is just an all time <laughs> nickname. Um, but yeah, I just started watching his videos, and you like look at his and and he's 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 really incredible. He's a great hand. He's not like the greatest worker of all time, but he was. They they would put him in the ring with young guys who they were like pushing up all throughout his career, not just WWE, but he wrestled like. Like Ric Flair and the Iron Cheek and and uh, you know Greg Gagne, Ken, Ken Patera, all over the years, like in their very early days. But it, the Wikipedia page has some really cool um, like claims to fame for this guy. Uh, he was the first person to ever defeat Ric Flair. Incidentally, <laughs> it was in Ric Flair's second match, but still, that's a good that's that's a nice claim to fame. Um, he was in the first WWF match ever te- televised on USA Network against Tito Santana. Um. And he was on, uh, he was on, oh, oh yeah, the, the old wrestling show TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, he was on, he had a recurring role as the host of Cafe Rene. That might be how you remember him the best. Now, this is, this is only the beginning of the rabbit hole. One of his most, like, important mass media claims to fame is that he was uh, in the third issue of People Magazine. They had a big feature on pro wrestling. Um, get, he was receiving a bear hug from Chris Taylor, who was a legit... Um, Olympic wrestler who was making the transition into wrestling through Vern Gagne school. This is what's really cool about it. It's Chris Taylor is like the Ur Brock Lesnar. And if you, <laughs> it, there's nothing exciting about his matches, but he is on YouTube. I'm going to post some of these things. Go look at Chris Taylor. Just like go to YouTube and search Chris Taylor wrestling. And you will see this. It's like Brock Lesnar meets Andre the giant. It's this, That's this guy seriously had some gigantism stuff going on. He was wrestling on the Olympic level uh, at like 400 pounds. I mean, whatever it was, he was, he was, uh, you know, three, probably 300 pounds. He's a big boy. He's an saying. enormous dude. He's actually, according to the New York times in, um, in, uh, 1985, uh, the push for, for having a weight, an upper weight limit in the heavyweight division started in 1972 because Chris Taylor was wrestling at 440 pounds Jesus. against these like little other dudes. He's like the Vince Wilfork of wrestling. He is. Or he's like the Brock Lesnar who actually is, he's the only guy that's ever had to like, well, not the only guy, but one of the few guys that's had to cut weight to be a heavyweight UFC fighter. That's insane. Um, Let me also point out, Robert Goulet <laughs> does have a wrestling connection because Robert Goulet... He was at WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania six, he did the Canadian National Anthem. Um. Oh, that's so great. I love Robert Goulet. Um, so anyway, the the there is a the best thing about uh Chris Taylor is when he was still wrestling, there was a where is this old time? There's an old time story that says, Oh yeah, this is this is from uh 73, running down the uh the Olympic, I think it's the Olympic wrestling trials or whatever that they're doing. The headline of this of this article, by the way, is 460 pounds of revenge waits to fall on Russian. <laughs> Uh, and the first quote from Chris Taylor is, quote, I owe the Ruskies a little something. Yes, go so, at him. So if you're if you were if there's any doubt this guy could be, could be a pro wrestler, I think he's like he's answering it right there. But th- but it says in the article, this is a quote, this meet will probably be Taylor's last as an amateur. He's been offered a sixty thousand dollar bonus by Vern Gagne, a Minnesota promoter to become a professional wrestler. 
And it's great because all these articles from the 70s are like, he turned pro. Like they're yeah. actually like kind of kayfabing the whole thing. But further to the kayfabe, there's I can't I, I, we'll we'll throw a, a clip in this uh, of this in the, in the show. But the, but the uh, there is a an incredible video that I think we've all probably seen before, but it bears a rewatch called "The Making of a Pro Wrestler" with Vern Gagne and Chris Taylor. It's on YouTube, and it's this like 15 minute local news segment about Chris Taylor training to be a pro wrestler. There's some old school Sergeant Slaughter in the background, like they're in the same training class. And it's also Vern, like just trying to kayfabe his wrestling school that, you know, it's the old, it's what you always hear about. It's the ring in the barn. And like, everybody's just doing like, you know, like deep knee bends and sit-ups for four hours a day. <laughs> um, it is really one of the most incredible videos ever. It drags. I mean, it's just like, it just shows the entire match, like his entire first match or whatever. But this guy's, I mean, he's he's a big fatso, but he was like really good, man. <laughs> hey, David, you know who else owes the Ruskies a little something? The president of the United States. Oh, man. <laughs> I really hope that wasn't where you were going. We'll put that YouTube link up on up on Twitter right next to... to uh, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman and Chris Taylor. Basically the same guy. Um, that would have been a better parallel. But this guy really... Like, he really is the Brock Lesnar of, 19, of, the, of the 70s. He also died super young of like... And it was unclear what happened, but it... You know, if this guy came along today, you'd be like, this guy's got some gigantism. Let him see a doctor just by looking at him. Um, but yeah, he's a it was, you know, a sad thing. But like, I'm going to show I'm showing David picture right now of like the size difference between um, my man. God, Chris huge. Taylor and the dude who beat him in the <laughs> in 72. Look at our boy's chin. It's um, huge. Yeah, he was he's just, got like a goiter on his face. But it's a chin. It really looks like an old-fashioned pro wrestling match where you're like, this is not fair. Oh, and that's that this is why guy. people were like throwing beer cans into the beer bottles into the ring because they just thought the heel was way too big. <laughs> he's like a giant haystacks kind of guy. Yeah, he's people a know very, British very wrestling. large guy. Get on get on the YouTube or actually just go to go to at Mass Man Show. We'll post a little, we'll post some videos. It's I mean, man. Chris Taylor is is my new favorite wrestler. But anyway, and there this is the picture of him showing Dave of, of him and, and and Rene Goulet. He's got a bit of a wedgie going on. That's unfortunate. I listen, man. You can have a wedgie when you're that big and scary. Um anyway, Rene Goulet, also one of the greats. Uh, Jean-Pierre Goulet uh could have had a better showing um on Monday night, although he did fine. Yeah, I thought it was a, a decently worked squash match. Uh this whole thing, that whole angle did reinforce the fact that I think that Jason Jordan is going to be a heel when this is all said and done, when this storyline sure. is complete. Because he's just, all his facials and the way that he carries himself in the ring just screams, I'm a massive mega heel. What are they calling him? Doesn't he have a new nickname? Uh, he's gold-blooded. Yeah, cold-blooded. Like, that's not no, a... gold-blooded. Oh, gold-blooded. Yes. Oh. Because uh, he's got... I should listen with the volume up. I am fake news. Uh, well... Goldblooded is one step away from Coldblooded, which is definitely a heel name. They should just call him Stone Gold. <laughs> why not? We're just recreating old gimmicks now, right? Yeah, why not? Uh, Who cares? So, also somebody on Reddit, which is one of the my favorite things of the week, saw uh, the guy that played Jean-Pierre Goulet on the subway home from the wrestling oh, event. Oh, man. You think they just gave him, like, subway fare and was like, enjoy Thanks for your uh, your efforts, kid. Yeah, I think this take is a hike. This is like the old. This is like you know wrestlers are frugal, man. Yeah, it's like we'll take your we'll take it. Like, like those old NBA referees that would take the first class plane fare and then like so, and then go down to, to coach and then just pocket the difference. That's that's a baller move. That's a big baller it's move, also baby. Or not illegal. It was against their contract, so whatever. Um, tough for, tough tough out there for a ref. So 
We had SummerSlam coming up in a week and a half, and we were talking about doing the preview next week, and then I was just like, we know all of the matches. Yeah, why, why wait? Why wait? Why talk about I mean, Raw and SmackDown were both really interesting this week, but it was just all set up for SummerSlam. It wasn't even, like, well-disguised set up. I, I, right before we recorded, I was talking about the John Cena-Baron Corbin setup, which, like, the entirety of, the, of their match is based on, weirdly, like, a video of what happened after SmackDown went off the air last week. Which they could have had on TV, right? Like that was that was post show. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't th- I don't know what their contract says about overrun these days. Uh, I'm sure they have a little bit more leeway with USA Network than they used to, but uh, I mean, it's a good way to get people to go to the network uh, if they don't always put the last angle at the end of the show. But that's what I thought Talking Smack was for, yeah. and now that's gone. I don't know. It's sure gone. Um, so anyway, but they that just went straight from straight from like, well, we know this is going to be a feud, but they're not saying or a match at SummerSlam, but they're not saying it yet. To it's an official match at SummerSlam in the span of like thirty seconds. Yeah. Well, I heard one of the rumors was that uh, Corbin was supposed to interfere and cost Cena the match, and uh, that did not. They decided oh, to give him the head drop. Uh, I don't know if that was if it was because of the injury or if it was because of the fact that they wanted to put Shinsuke over clean. That's what I heard was that Cena decided I'm gonna let him beat me oh. one two three clean in the middle of the ring. Well, he shouldn't make decisions when you're concussed. Um, <laughs> uh, he was I, not concussed when he made the decision. That's I was just joking. I know. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for SummerSlam, man. I'm stoked. We got a lot of good matches. Um, I'm not as excited for John Cena versus Baron Corbin as I could be, but what the hell? Let John Cena put him over. Or let Corbin put John Cena over. I'm getting the faint hint and whiff of a cash-in. I think a lot of people are out there in internet wrestling community land that Corbin might lose the match to Cena. But then, then cash, cash in. in on Shinsuke after he beats Jinder Mahal. But Jinder just lost clean to Randy Orton on Tuesday. So yeah. are we burying Jinder Mahal? What's going on here? I'm so confused. Me too. Like, do you, like that that main event was great. But like, I mean, it was my favorite Jinder Mahal Randy Orton match. And but it's like, was that? I don't understand all this wrestling. How the, like the backstage like code of honor goes, but. Like, was that Randy getting his win back? Like, did he feel like he was owed that SmackDown main event win after jobbing, jobbing, losing three times to gender? Well, we always hear from people like Triple H that 50-50 booking is the most effective way to get people over and to build characters. Um, so, yeah, I think after losing three times in a row, toss him a victory so he doesn't totally lose his heat and look like a schmuck. Yeah, but I feel like the average wrestling fan can tell the difference between a title match on a pay-per-view and the main event on SmackDown. My my confusion stems from the fact that the title's not on the line. Why, yeah. why not? That, that's weird. Um, and I'll say the same thing about Carmella and Naomi, where Carmella gets a win, great. She has her boy James Ellsworth interfere after his suspension ends. But it's a non-title match, and, okay, she walks out every night, with a briefcase that has a title opportunity inside of it. Yeah. Why didn't she just use it after that match was over? It made no sense. Yeah. It's completely illogical. The, the Money in the Bank briefcase is an inherently difficult, is going to be an, like an inherently difficult concept in the women's division. I mean, SmackDown or Raw, either way, obviously it's on SmackDown because it's just such a small division. You can't, 
logically keep the briefcase holder away from the main away from the the champion until they cash in you know and that's when it unlocks this pandora's box of like kayfabe questions you know like it doesn't make any sense right um but yeah uh i don't even know i mean is nail like the both women's matches that are that are on SummerSlam, and we can jump right into the card are a little bit of a like question like a little bit confusing perplexing to me I mean, because you're putting Charlotte over nominally on Smack. I mean, I, I honestly thought just I, I just convinced myself based on nothing that Charlotte was like working hurt and they were and that's why she wasn't in like fighting for the title at, at SummerSlam. I mean, good for good on Natalia for getting the spot. Like I we've been begging for her push for a couple of months, but Naomi versus Natalia just feels like it's waiting for someone else to be like entered into the match. The weird thing, and this is a great example of how like the difference between reality and unreality really almost doesn't matter in pro wrestling. But on the raw side, like real life played out the way that I assumed they were booking SummerSlam. Like it, it, it could not have been booked any better than for Bailey to win the number one contendership and then get hurt. Well, I mean, that's, that makes uh, every smart Mark sit up and say, well, what if this is, what if we're getting worked uh, with this injury? I'm that, sure we're not, but it does if it feel weren't, If it perfect. weren't for the footage, if she had injured her, if it had been more of a freak accident, even if it had been like when Finn Balor hurt himself at SummerSlam and it was just like he kind of took a normal move, but she got thrown shoulder first into the ground really hard or threw herself, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was clear that she was really hurt. But yeah, if it had been a, a, a less convincing real like shoot injury, I think everybody would be saying that. I mean, it was nuts. It, it seemed it felt nuts to not put Sasha and Alexa on the SummerSlam card to begin with. Yeah, it made no sense to me at all. Unless this is just more of this like Sasha, like vaguely sore Sasha has heat thing. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I mean, I'm sure she has some heat, but I don't think that they're trying to bury her or anything. I, I mean, they can't. You could make the argument either way, but you could make it compellingly that that's it's a crazy thing to say that she's getting buried. Although. Maybe she. Maybe we should just have a Sasha and, and Enzo. They had that little moment in the ring right after Enzo <laughs> debuted. Maybe they should team up and have like, and just have a backstage heat posse. <laughs> they can be called the Untouchables because exactly. no one wants to touch them. <laughs> the leper colony. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, that would be great. Then they could have like a like a an, like the U.S. instead of the U.S. Open Challenge, they could just get in the ring and just be like, we have, we're having open challenge to anybody that like is not afraid to tarnish themselves by getting in the <laughs> ring with us. And then Jean-Pierre Goulet comes out week after week. Sad. Um, so anyway, um, uh, the so we have Sasha Banks winning a triple threat, Nia Jax winning a triple threat to be to fight each other next week to see who's the number one contender for Alexa Bliss's belt. This is all again the most wonderfully booked thing I could imagine. First of all, there were women that wrestled on Monday night that I forgot were under WWE contract. So you know, shouts to <laughs> Emma and Mickey James. But the um, but. The the having Alexa on commentary during both matches was really good. Alexa's perfect on commentary because she only says like fifteen percent of what someone else on commentary would say, but th- she's always like on point. She's not. It doesn't seem like the the point isn't the commentary. The point is what's going on in the ring as it should be. And then next week we're gonna get Sasha versus Nia Jax. What is your prediction right now? This is the only, this is one of the only question marks on the card. Is this gonna are we gonna are we headed towards a triple threat or is this a uh, is this gonna is one of the two of them gonna come out on top? From a, a booking standpoint, it makes more sense for there to be a triple threat, only because 
We've seen Sasha Banks beat Nia Jax in the middle of the ring clean already last month before whatever the hell that pay-per-view was, mm-hmm. uh, Great Balls of Fire. So do you want to have her beat her clean again? And what is Nia Jax going to do at the pay-per-view? And it also creates the sort of two-on-one scenario because we've already established that uh, Alexa and Nia Jax have a friendship. Yes. So they can gang up on Sasha Banks and then maybe Bailey comes out to even the odds and maybe swing a kendo stick or something. And She's only got one good arm. Uh, you only need one arm for a kendo stick, man. I know, but it looks like it hurts a lot more when you swing it like a baseball bat. That's true. Uh, I want it to be a Bailey heel turn, personally, and have her cost Sasha the, the title. <sighs> well, speak, I mean, again, going back to how this is the most incredibly booked women's storyline in the past six months. <laughs> by accident. By accident. <laughs> Bailey, it, it was totally unclear whether Bailey was embracing the booze on Monday night, but it made it, it the tension was greater because of it. That was one of the biggest bummer segments that I've witnessed on wrestling in quite a while. See, I was watching it as if she was like that like she was starting a heel turn but was just not acting it as well as she should have. And so it was less of a bummer to me. The crowd on Monday was and Tuesday hot hot. I mean, that was probably about the smarkiest crowd you could imagine because it wasn't just this it wasn't just well, I'll say it that's probably the most adversarial crowd you could imagine because it wasn't just smarky. It was also smarky and Canadian. Yeah. So they were so they had some like provincial like rooting interests that were totally off the smark playlist. You know, it was it was very very weird. Lots of babyface heat for our man Jinder Mahal. They did not mention Jinder Mahal was coming home to Canada, of course. Um, and maybe it would have made a little bit more sense. No, they did mention that he was from Canada, right? When they when he was get when he was getting the cheers in the main event, I'm sure like. I maybe I, I had like to, JBL or somebody mentioned that. Maybe like, I wasn't paying attention. Um, but yeah, that was a very it was all so strange. But so Bailey gets booed loudly. And she, you know, continues on with her pre-planned promo about like like happy tweets making her healthy. Oh boy, that made me really sad. Ooh. Um it was rough. Yeah. But it was but it you know, when when we look back and Three months. If that's the moment where she either started her heel turn, or that's the moment that forced them to to turn her heel, then that's a really cool moment. Yeah, I mentioned this on Twitter that it reminded me a little bit of the Shawn Michaels "I Lost My Smile" promo. Not as good, obviously, because Bailey has deficiencies on the mic, but it did have a similar a similar feeling because it's this babyface hero who's saying, I can't wrestle. I'm so sorry. I can't entertain you. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, fuck you. Yeah. We don't care. And, and and listen, Bailey losing her smile would be a much bigger issue than it was for Shawn Michaels because Bailey's smile is like 50% That's, of her moveset. Ooh. It's her gimmick, yeah. Uh, this No, no, I'm just kidding. That, that, that was overly harsh. Cool, Bailey's, bro. Damn. Bailey's great. WWE has dropped the ball. I mean, listen, we've said it since she debuted. The only the reason she worked in NXT is because it was like a years long underdog story, and then she comes up to Raw and they're just like Bailey's the number one contender. Like it doesn't make any sense. They didn't even like use the gimmick that they had. I mean, I guess they saw it as this kid friendly like whatever like little girls love her gimmick. But she had but like to have her give her any legitimacy. She's got to be the underdog. And they had it wasn't even like they could they didn't have to reset it and pretend she was a jobber. She they, she was the 
She like she was the only one. She was the the one of the four horsewomen who got left behind in NXT because she wasn't good enough. Like that's your storyline. Yeah, but maybe there was some some pushback about not putting her over as a legitimate threat. Maybe there was some pushback to redoing that storyline essentially when a lot of WWE fans had already seen it. Mm. And I think regardless of if they had done that angle or not, they were going to have to evolve her character in some yes. way. So that's the flip side. And I mean, we said that too. She's got a, they did establish her as a main eventer, which I don't know how important that is when your main event, when your entire division is six people. Yeah. But uh, I guess eight people. But uh, anyway, here we are where we are. And hopefully we're going to have like a heel Bailey. I would love that. I think it's a great idea and it would be a really next level gimmick. Listen, everybody in the main event of SummerSlam is a heel. So I think we should just turn the entire roster heel and then <laughs> and then we'll just go from there. I mean, that would uh, certainly make it easier to uh, to book because then there'd be less booing because if everybody's a heel, everybody's cool now. That would be really interesting. Yeah, let's do it. Fuck, who cares? It's wrestling. Um. Yeah, man. Wrestling's fun. So, um, we, Alexa versus, uh, Alexa versus whoever she wrestles, which is probably just going to be Sasha Banks again. See, Alexa versus Sasha could be like one of the best matches on the card. Yep. But the, but if it's an afterthought, I mean, they just got to give it a chance. Yep. If it's an afterthought because the booking, you know, they, you know, they have to, they've had to rebook it on the fly, then who knows? Um, John Cena versus Baron Corbin. Man, I like your, I like your cash in theory, especially because like Cena's, Cena seems to be gone from SmackDown after this. Right. Maybe he'll stick around for another month and like keep the, you know, do the rematch. But they've been announcing him on like for Raw House show or for like episodes of Raw. So I think, right? Yeah. And I think he's also advertised for No Mercy. There's No Mercy a SmackDown or a Raw pay-per-view. Ooh, you are. I'm asking the wrong guy. Working over my head here. It's a Raw pay-per-view. Thanks, so, thanks to go. our heel producer, Jim, for that, for chiming in there. Which we will be at. We will be at No Mercy, but... Uh, do not say hello to me. I'm just kidding. You can say hello to me. No, that's just not nice. I love my fans. Um, I want to talk about Finn and Bray, but before we get to that, a quick word. We're very pleased to announce the newly relaunched TheRinger.com this week. We're really excited for everybody to see the new site. I think most people know this, but I am the art director of TheRinger.com when I'm not talking about wrestling with Dave Schilling. Um, I probably didn't do as much on the relaunch as you're imagining when I, after I just said I'm the art director, but I've been working very, very hard. We all have, um, and it's really cool. I hope you, I hope you all check it out. Uh, our latest articles, videos, podcasts, it's all right there on the ringer.com, including Braun Strowman in his, uh, in his acting debut. Special thanks to Miller Lite, who've been with us since the beginning and have been fantastic partners to us on The Ringer. We're thrilled to have them as the relaunch sponsor for the site. Miller Lite, the official beer of The Ringer. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Level of excitement here? We, we, uh, we're presumably going to get to see the demon again. I'm into that. They've been teasing it very subtly, other than the heartbeat intro when he appeared out of nowhere last week. It'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll be a standard Bray Wyatt match with some Finn Balor high spots. It'll be okay. I think uh, if he's if he's the demon, he's winning. I was if he's not, not the demon, he's probably losing. I was really back and forth on this on the on their promo Monday night 
uh, one, I don't know, putting the microphone in Finn's hand to open that up was the best decision. No, he's fine. He had so much heat. He he got to do the two sweet. He's he's fine on the mic. He's totally totally. He's fine. he is fine, but it's like you know, it's I mean, not his strong suit. That's for sure. And 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 I get. And if the decision was let's put the mic in his hand because we got to do it sooner or later, then that's fine. He didn't. He he, he wasn't bad at all. No, no, uh, he's just not remarkable. Yeah, you just sort of like when he says that. What do he say about about um? About Wyatt, he was like, he creeps me out. It gives me the creeps. Like, it's just like he said, he'll say a line and I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to take it. Like, is he being like sarcastic or is he being, is he actually saying he's, I don't know. Um, but then also the the thing where like the light, when the lights went out the second time and Finn was like flipping around, like scared in the ring, you didn't know what, and then Bray was on the screen. Like it, that, the whole thing was a little bit of a letdown, but it just sort of boggles the mind that Finn was like, playing all these mind games with Bray, but then was just not prepared for the lights to go out a second time. Yeah. Like he hadn't thought through that much. Like maybe I'll just play it cool. Hey man, have you seen an episode of Raw before? No? Okay. So you don't know what's coming? That he's probably going to be on the screen some. Or I mean, at a bare minimum, just like he, he figured it out last week where he was just sitting on the turnbuckle when the when the lights came back on and now he's just freaking out in the middle of the ring. Like mm. at least just get out of the ring. Like you know that, yeah. It's just I just can't, I cannot wrap my brain around the idea that I'm still supposed to be scared of Bray Wyatt. He's a scary looking dude. Sure. I mean, he's about three times the size of Finn Balor. So at least that part will be interesting. I'm excited for this match. If they, I mean, again, it's, it's always an if, but if they kind of give it time and opportunity and, and, you know, keep the, the bugs being video, I mean, being like uh, projected onto the, the <laughs> ring apron at a minimum, then I hey, think we're okay. I think they're not going to do that again. Uh, I feel like there's a missed opportunity here to talk about. This is one year since Finn Balor injured himself, won the Universal title. He's back in Brooklyn uh, at the Barclays Center for the first time since his life changed forever. And how is he going to deal with the, the, the actual demons in his head saying, don't hurt yourself again? They totally missed that. No, let's just focus on fucking PowerPoint presentations and creepy promos. <laughs> let's not talk about the actual issue at hand. I think that's really good, man. Uh, we should I, maybe next week we can just spend an hour fantasy booking SummerSlam. Sure, I mean let's let's uh, let's do that. Why I hate not? fantasy booking, but I'm all. But you, you know, do not. We you were, love to fantasy. I know, book. but we were text. I was texting last night that I like. I know how. I think I know or how I want SummerSlam to end, and now, and now like, it's going to be a letdown. That's you should just say it right now. It's a great idea. I just think that like the the best way to the, the we're talking about turning everybody heel. The best <laughs> thing, the the way to do it would be for. Um, for you know, uh, Rollins and Ambrose to like re- have that unsteady alliance and and win the tag team titles and get that pop like in the mid card or whatever, and then during the main event, have them run in and help Roman Reigns win the title, reunite the Shield, and they'd be the three biggest heels in like WWE history. <laughs> if the if the purpose of the Shield is key is putting the belt on Roman Reigns, man, then that we is have ho- like that's bigger than the NWO. That would be ho- oh man, I don't know because it. I, when we were texting, I said to you last night, that's the best idea I've ever heard, and that's why they're not going to do it. But it might have the opposite effect, that people loved the Shield so much that if they put Roman Reigns back in the Shield, he might end up being a huge babyface. We don't really know. People fucking loved the Shield. No, that's true. That's true. And I, I mean, you, you run that risk, like you were saying before, anytime you turn somebody heel. Yeah. But if they just come in and just, and like, and beat up Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar 
and put the belt on Roman Reigns. That's a that's a put heel him, move. Put him on their shoulders and say, you know, or bow to him or something. Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad idea. But they put so much time And then they and have all the belts or they have the tag belts and the and the uh the heavyweight title, the universal title. I don't know the wrestling audience as well as I wish I did. So I it's a toss up how people respond to that. It really is if it happened. I don't know. Yeah. I would mark out for it though. We all would. We all would. Um, and then you, after that scene, when the crowd's going wild, you have Finn Balor come out and be like, Seth Rollins, you put me, you, you ruined my, you tried to ruin my career one year ago today and I'm taking my revenge. And then the Bullet Club and the, versus the Shield. Ooh, Anderson and Gallows come out. That, I'm actually not endorsing the Finn Balor, the Bullet Club portion of this. You should, the show should go off the air with the, uh, with the reunited Shield getting like trash thrown on them. But I mean, they really could recreate bash at the beach like nwa formation heat i don't know if brooklyn's the spot to do it but it but they could do that but but anyway the whole point is that like that would be really hilarious if it was just like <laughs> three swerves in a row to end the show you're just like why is this main event going on at like why is the main event going on at 1005 i don't really understand it's just like series of swerves anyway um let's run through the rest of this card and i'm just gonna ask you if you care okay big show versus big cast nope i didn't even get to get the do you care out um, I, I do not. I mean, this is okay, but come on, Enzo Amore suspended in a shark cage is kind of great. <laughs> I, I've I've read some uh, some theories that this is a rib that he uh, is afraid of heights. They're just gonna never let him out of the shark cage. They're <laughs> gonna put wheels on it and tie it to the tour bus. They're gonna have uh, James Ellsworth drag it to the to the show at, at, on tour every week. Um. Yeah. How do you get? Like, are there are there like city officials that inspect shark cages before you hang them above the ring? I'm sure there's some sort of governing body that we're not aware of to make sure that it's, you know, safe to get up in there. I don't know. Um, I don't really care about that. Or I kind of do. I want more. I want. I want to read a Bleacher Report article about it. I'll get right on that, sir. Um, Randy Orton versus Rusev. Do you care? Nope. I know, I'm, I'm excited to see this match. Like, I kind of want to. I want to see this them get a chance to really work together. But the, but I'm not. They really haven't done anything for it. I don't want to take a dump on this show. It's just that I don't. When I say I don't care, it's that the storylines are not engaging in the way that I want them to be. Why are Rusev and Randy Orton wrestling? Because Rusev asked for a match, and Randy Orton said, "I'll wrestle you." Okay. <laughs> what? Doesn't he still want the belt? That's how all great matches begin, man. You you got to ask for it to make it happen, sure. or just hit somebody with a chair. Run-ins. Um, Neville versus Akira Tozawa for the Cruiserweight Champion. It'll be a good match. I don't care uh, storyline-wise. I don't care. I don't. A really interesting thing for the to me for this is that they've let Tozawa do a little bit of the of what makes him great, like getting out. Get, he, he's got to to vary from WWE style. Um. Obviously, Neville is you know, his own, his own creature. I don't know. And Tazawa was so good in the Cruiserweight Classic compared to what he's been allowed to do on 205 Live. I just think that this is an opportunity to really kind of push the boundaries of the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, and Neville's had some of the best matches of the year uh, on WWE pay-per-views so far. I wouldn't say they're like top tier, but they're, you know, four-star, or not four-star. I'm not going to, I'm not throwing out star ratings because that just opens up a can of worms. But they've been very, very good matches. I loved his match at WrestleMania 
with the uh, dearly departed Austin Aries. So I think there's a potential here for something. Austin fun. Aries, for the record, is alive. <laughs> I know. You can't just throw away around words like dearly departed. Hey, man, once he's not in WWE, he might as well be dead to me. Um, That's a joke. I, I love other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, in my fantasy booking, Neville joins the Shield too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They got all the belts now. I think we should go straight from NWO formation to like the latter days of the NWO <laughs> where like everybody's walking around in sleeveless shield t-shirts cutting promos one after the other. We'll just do that all on the same night. I love it. Um, New Day versus the Usos. I uh, care about this one. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a really fun angle so far uh, going all the way back to the, the rap battle and I thought the beat down uh, last week on SmackDown was really good. I thought New Day coming out and beating the crap out of the Usos after that fun little tag match this week was good. And yeah, this is going to be fun. The Usos have climbed so hard. I mean, so hard. Have climbed so high in my estimation lately. I mean, over the past four months, but in general, I mean, especially. But small thing. But when they did the Usos are walking backstage segment, just like before the match, before the the bumper, before the commercial, those two guys walk around backstage better than anybody else in the roster. Yeah. I'm just going to give them that. The <laughs> best backstage walkers. Like they, that, in that like seven second clip, I was like, these guys look like real scary wrestlers. Like they're, they're very, very good at being wrestlers. Save that for the Mass Man Show 2017 awards podcast that we do. <laughs> but yeah, that, this is an example of when a heel turn or a change in character of any sort really benefits the wrestlers. Um, and I think Bailey would would benefit from something similar to what the Usos Usos went through because the Usos were stale as hell. They were slapping hands and they were wearing bright face paint and they were right. one of the more colorful uh, acts in the company. Literally, yeah, literally. Uh, and Bailey falls into that yeah sort well, of trap too. I think that with Bailey, you obviously have to make the. I mean, you have to ask yourself the question as to whether or not she's gonna be over as a heel. You know, I mean, if maybe maybe she, if she has the you know, the breadth to actually play a heel. I'm sure that she does, but that's part of the, that's part of the question, you yeah. know, the booking decision. Um, but the, it's, a, it really is an important question because who knows? I don't know what they were actually saying backstage. Bruce Pritchard would say, you know, if he were back there, would say he was, you know, it, it's all bullshit, but do you know the, what we would always hear is that the reason they wouldn't turn the Usos is because kids loved them and because they were selling those fluorescent green t-shirts to, you know, little kids in the audience. And, um, and I get it. But it's like, I mean, it's like a little miniature version of like the why won't we turn turn John Cena, you know, but you would hear that stuff and it makes sense. But do you, I mean, it, can you really make the case that WWE's child engagement and merch sales and just overall goodness is lacking now that they're heels? No, it's like it's been a net positive for them to turn heel. Yeah. And, the, you know, you think about how the New Day are selling basically the same kind of T-shirt, the same sort of merchandises. It's very bright, very colorful. Kids like it. It's fun. They get to sing along to the intro and all that stuff. They get to buy the cereal and the unicorn uh, headbands and all that. Yeah. There's always going to be someone in the company that can fill that role. There may not be another John Cena, but it, but I, it's ridiculous to say that, like, it's ridiculous to argue that, like, turning somebody face or heel is going to, like, the, like, the merch sale decision is going to be that big of a deal. And I think, I feel like kids, as many kids who like Bailey like Sasha Banks, too, or like... um Becky Lynch. Yeah, I just don't know if they. I mean, they're they're not all gonna have. I mean, they they don't they don't have ready made T shirts that are like like made specifically for the young you sure. know the youth audience. Right. But uh, they could. 
Yeah. There's no reason why not. I mean, they they made those those um, Southpaw shirts just on like on like you know an iron-on press or whatever, like whatever they like the, the whatever the, the normal uh, internet t-shirt printing process is. WWE normally does like the really high quality silkscreen everything, and and the the technologies I think are getting a little bit closer and closer, but. They could do short runs on shirts. Yep. Um, what do you think about Brock's blue shirt, by the way? Interesting choice. It was interesting. It was like uh, Toronto Blue Jays colors for Toronto, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I, I I don't know why, but it was not, you know, he always comes out in, in black or, or red or something. He's messing around with the design a little bit. All right, AJ, let's get to the good stuff. AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens with special guest referee. Sugar Shane McMahon. <laughs> um, it's going to be a fantastic wrestling match. I don't know if Shane is going to add to it, but I understand why. Because I assume it's building to Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or Survivor Series or something of that nature. One of the big ones. I mean, I just had to put him, put these three guys in a triple threat. Then you can at least have the. Then you don't have to deal with the like Shane isn't actually a wrestler thing. Oh, I, I'm dreaming about a TLC match for the U.S. title. Oh, oh. assuming TLC is a SmackDown pay per view again, because um, they change them. You know, I, I I read I think Money in the Bank is Raw pay per view next year, so who knows? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Did Did you listen to the uh, to the Pritchard pod this week about Paul Heyman? I did. It was great. I was shocked to kind of be for them to like delineate how many times Heyman had actually been in wrestling matches over the years. <laughs> and they didn't even get into like the CM Punk era and like all that kind of stuff when he was like Heyman may have wrestled more WWE matches than like Shane McMahon when all is said and done. I don't think so. Shane McMahon has wrestled quite a few You're matches. Right. He, he wrestled did a lot a bunch. of And by the way, shouts to uh, Conrad Thompson who shouted me out on his show. Oh really? On that episode, yeah. Did you miss it? Yeah. Do you skip through you skip through the commercials? Uh I when people say your name, I usually just stop paying attention. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people on Squared Circle Reddit who feel the same way. Um, come on. Uh, but anyway, the kudos to the WWE video department and the writers and Kevin Owens and whoever came up with that whole in ring segment where he was just showing old Shane clips last night. That was just really good. Yeah. And it's a nice walk through history that doesn't like, you know, it doesn't like take the take the the you know piss out of what's actually going on in the ring or what i mean the feud that's actually urgent um we talked about naomi versus natalia a little bit do you have a, do you, are you excited about this at all i'm not excited about it but i'm i'm intrigued anytime the briefcase is is uh sort of in the background there's a question of will there be a cash in i love when we talk about like what makes booking sense not just us anybody does because you can almost always argue it in a million different directions but so I'm just going to ask you in a, in a it just broadly in 2017 at the spa- at the place we are right now you know like well, uh, just to give some background like you'll see like when they have the dude with the briefcase or the woman with the briefcase oh like wrestle early in the card everybody watching at home says oh this is so they'll be fresh to cash in later on then it gets to a point where they're just putting them on early in the card to kind of troll us because they're not going to cash remember last year it was just over and over again my question is, would would Carmella cashing in be a good way to fool the audience into not thinking that Baron Corbin was cashing in because they would never do two cash-ins on one SummerSlam card? Yeah, why not? Or is it the other, or does it just really not matter? Does it just put it in your mind that now their cash-ins are a thing, so now it's it's less of a swerve? No, I definitely think that most 
aware wrestling fans are going to say there's only be go, only going to be one cash in per show, uh, and they're not going to do two in the same card. So yeah, it'd be a great great way to to fool people into thinking there isn't going to be a Baron Corbin one too. Um, I mean, listen, the the one the one I mean, one really cool thing about the match being Natalia versus Naomi, then you throw the cash in in there. If you if if that happened, no matter who wins the match, if Natalia wins, uh, Carmella cashes in, and Charlotte still exists. Becky, by the way, wasn't even on SmackDown, right? Correct. She looked and she like messed up. It looked like was that a reported thing? And she like messed up her knee last week There's or some sort of or something like she's that. She's dealing with something, yeah. Um, but anyway, if you have Naomi Natalia, like Naomi gets her rematch theoretically. Natalia gets a rematch theoretically if Carmella beats her, and then you still have Becky and Charlotte who were. Certainly, the two most accomplished women, besides Natalia, but but in recent years on the on the in the SmackDown Women's Division, you have like a basically a total division reset, which could be really compelling. Yeah, um, like five people, at least four people with like a real stake at you know on on the belt. So yeah, that, and there's not a lot of challengers for Naomi left. It's just crazy to me that Charlotte's not on summer the card at SummerSlam as we as we speak. It's about it. bizarre. I mean, she was on the WrestleMania poster. It doesn't make any sense. And I, um, you know, I got to, uh, I, I interviewed Charlotte and Ric Flair for a profile I'm writing for Bleacher Report on Charlotte. And uh, when, I, when I came up with the idea to, to, to talk to her and to write this thing, it was like, oh, Charlotte's going to have a huge SummerSlam. I'm sure she's going to have a, a high profile match. It's going to be a big deal. Nope. As of now, she is not booked for SummerSlam. <laughs> Are you going to just like, just pause on this profile, pause on this feature until like uh, until like WrestleMania or something like that. No, no, it's coming out. Charlotte's, it is coming Charlotte out. Charlotte is the best. Yeah. How was Rick? He is great. He called me sir uh, many times. One of the great things weird. about phone interviews is that people think you might be important. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, is he wrong? Um, although we're both sort of like getting to the age where like in person interviews. If you just like wear a nice shirt, have the same sort of gravity as anything else. Oh yeah, I wore a jacket when I interviewed Charlotte in person, and uh, that gave me a little like bit a more gravity. Jacket or like a members only jacket? Oh no, it was a smoking jacket. Yeah, like the like the Macho Man jacket <laughs> that they sell on WWE.com. It was a Chalkline jacket. No, I'm just kidding. Shouts to Chalkline, great stuff. Ginger Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura is maybe the most bizarre match. If you had told if you had told either of us two years ago that this was going to be the WWE title match at SummerSlam, we we would have we would I mean I would have bet my life that it wouldn't be. Let me say one thing here. Well, a couple things. I'm gonna say a couple things. Shinsuke Nakamura, Jinder Mahal, weird match, yes. But it is they only have one SmackDown left before SummerSlam. And these guys have not even like faced off one on one. There's no storyline here. It's just a title match. Yeah. It's weird. Isn't it weird that it's so close to the show and there really hasn't been any sort of... What happened on Tuesday? They were like, Shinsuke was watching the match from backstage? Was that the extent of their... Yesterday they did a thing where Shinsuke did an interview with Renee Young. And he talked about how it was his dream to be WWE champion and all that stuff. What were they calling it? The Nakamura Empire or something? Like they were saying, he's going. He wants to start. If he wins the championship, he'll start the. Uh, oh man, they had some name for. It like was the, a name. I don't remember what it was. I didn't take notes, unfortunately. But uh, um, I did, and I don't know where. They I, are. I I wanted to see more build up to this because it's his first title opportunity uh, since going up to the main roster, 
which is another reason why I feel like there's going to be a cash in here because it just seems kind of like they've thrown these two guys together and said, just go out and have a match. It'll be fine. Who cares? People will be excited no yeah, matter what. Man. Nakamura, Mahal. If, if, if we have a Nakamura gender Baron Corbin like triple threat at the next pay-per-view, then it's going to, man, that's going to be bad. <laughs> what did you think about John Cena uh, making fun of him for being skinny fat? I think skinny fat, I mean, I thought it was fine and funny. I think it's a little bit weird to throw out that term because everybody's mind immediately goes to CM Punk, you know? So it's yep. like, it's it's weird to sort of to bring that back up um, unless you're doing it really deliberately. The dumpster fire thing was, wait, was it a trash fire or dumpster, dumpster fire? fire. Yeah, dumpster There's fire. There's a dude with a sign that said dumpster fire. That is going to catch on. And I, yeah. I'm sure WWE is already like in the process of printing dumpster fire t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, they can't trade markets. We did a piece so. on the ringer.com about like the etymology of dumpster fire eight months ago or something like that. It was very, a very funny piece, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they plot Baron Corbin's path forward. They've, he very well may leave SummerSlam as the WWE champion, which is just bonkers. Massive heel heat. If that happens at the same moment in time in which he is, like his new nickname is Dumpster Fire, whether or not he like whether or not whether WWE likes it or not. It's it's gonna be really interesting to see how how they get him to a place where he can be taken seriously. Yeah, because I don't think he's at that point yet where people say that guy, he's a main eventer. Well, there's a lot. I mean, it. I feel like WWE doesn't entirely take him seriously, and it shows. Like like the like the vibe like the 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 kind of like online knock on him is that he's getting the sort of like Roman Reigns push that WWE cares about him too much. It seems to me like they don't quite take him seriously. Well, they, it, this feels to me like a, oh, what's a good example of it? It seems like, like he's getting a pro athlete push. He's getting a like Mongo McMichael push. He's getting like, it's like, he's, it's the thing where it's like, they, like they, they want to push him because they think it's good business, but they, but they're wrong. And also they don't, it's like they're just not they're not working on him the same like he's just like he's a novice but he's getting some kind of weird preferential treat I don't get it man you really buried the hell out of him by comparing him to Steve McMichael Steve McMichael's a more was a had I mean was a more like legit contender than Baron Corbin let's call a spade a spade here Steve McMichael should cut a decent promo sure Steve we McMichael's, still don't think that he shouldn't Baron have been Corbin. he shouldn't have been in, a, in, the, in the announce booth he wasn't that good of a talker but like he's he's better than Baron Corbin yeah I mean like both of them would have both both Corbin and McMichael would have been greatly served with different haircuts and no and and for some reason they're both untouchable by like by the haircut committee you know what's gonna get Baron Corbin o- over with the WWE universe Deborah. Give him Deborah. Bring oh, Deborah back. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. You're crazy. Um, they had him with who? In NXT, he had a he he briefly had he briefly had a valet. Was it like Summer Ray or something? I don't know who it was. Oh, it was um, it was uh, Guerrero. Vicky Guerrero. No, their kid. Their kid. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I, I it's I I just feel like it's really hard to put a, put put to put into words. Um. But they, I feel like WWE doesn't quite take him as seriously as as like the conventional wisdom on the internet would have you believe. I don't know. I I just know that he's not compelling to me at the at the moment. 
I want him to have something more of a character than just, he doesn't like anybody. But on some level, that's the most effective way to make a heel is just someone that has a face you want to punch. He falls into that Miz category without having the Miz's charisma. He's just naturally someone you don't like. Shaw Guerrero. I don't know why I forgot that name. All right. We got a main event to talk about. And we'll talk about it in depth next week. Is this definitely going on last? With a Brock Lesnar match? I'm just asking. I'm just yes, asking. 100%. And yeah, obviously I care about this one. This Haas match, this is going to be huge. Yeah, literally man. and figuratively. It you is going to be. It, this is the most mass that's been in the ring in a long time. Um, although I did get an email from uh, from Jason Hare, who's directing the Andre the Giant documentary, mm-hmm. and they just uh, I can't I can't go into too much details. You know, yeah, K baby, K Fabit. Some top we there's a top secret uh, something's going on. But he was sending me a li- he sent me a list of matches, um, and uh, one talking about mass mass in the ring right now. One of the matches that they were that they were I mean he's a long list of just an archive he was just like do we need do we need to look at anything on here and one of them was uh it's a pole match I believe this <laughs> happened in Texas uh, this is um oh yeah this is the Paul from like Paul Bosch territory a pole match Dusty the Rhodes Dusty the Rhodes Dusty the Rhodes <laughs> okay uh Dusty Rhodes versus Andre the Giant yeah versus uh Gino Hernandez versus Bruiser Brody versus Stan Hansen. Let's take let, Gino, Gino out of the match. Let me for a guess, second. Gino went over. Yeah. Dusty, Andre, Brody, and Stan Hansen is more mass than the SummerSlam main event. But it's close. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a great match. All of these guys have chemistry together separately and together, you know, or, you know, like different variations and combinations of the four guys. So putting them all in the same ring gonna be great i just wonder if there's gonna be a high spot or something crazy akin to the ring falling apart or something i really want to know i mean and i'm i'm just interested with how much braun Strowman like is around to prep for big spots like that obviously he's had a lot of these in his in his limited workload like there's been a lot of like announced table spots and like whatever but like do they just talk it through are they are they comfortable with the dude who wrestles like five times a year just like like you know being like pulling the trigger on a really like death defying spot. I, sure. Yeah. I I don't see why not. The only spot that I really want to see is a German suplex on Braun Strowman from Brock Lesnar. I mean, that that's not a huge high spot, but it is a feat of strength that people will be like, Whoa, I can't believe he did that. What would be, wait, what, what would be a better fantasy book? My shield reunion idea, or just John Cena coming out and beating them all up? Definitely not John <laughs> Cena squashing all four. I want to see John Cena just beat all these guys up. It'd be so fun. Um, no thanks. Listen, uh, I'm I'm so excited for this match. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. Do you have a Do you have a pick? I know we got to get out of here, but do you have a pick? Let's talk about the main event next week. Let's let's go. We'll go okay. into the picks. I do think it's weird, though, that. Uh, and we didn't really talk in detail about Raw or SmackDown. That last man standing match on Monday night was fucking great. Superb. Yeah. I mean, just a really great, like, I, a lot, there are a lot of wrestling feuds uh, that get better and better every time people get, the, the two people get in the ring together. There's not a lot to get, I mean, when, there, there's a certain, like, sign curve that just, that the best wrestling feuds hit. I would have never in a million years thought that Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman was going to be in that category. 
Me neither. No one did. But every time, man, these two guys might, this might be like the new like rock Triple H, you know, like they're just going to be, well, I guess they're already main eventing, so it doesn't really matter. But these two guys are just taking each other to new heights. Yeah. It was a really good match. That spear that Roman hit coming down the entrance ramp was just like one of my favorite Roman Reigns moments. Even like, I mean, Braun Strowman is the greatest living actor and professional wrestler. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, like there was a spot when they were wrestling over by the announce table where where it looked like it was pretty clear. I always when when uh, Roman hit the drive by like on the floor by the announce table and Braun, it seems to me it was supposed to just like get knocked onto the ramp and he didn't. And he it was fine. Like they figured it out, you know, like they were they figured it out on the fly. Unlike, you know, say Enzo Amore when like that time that uh, that Cesaro like tried to throw him over the top rope and Enzo waited like 15 seconds and then just jumped over the top rope. Like these are the small things, but they matter. Yep. Um, anyway, it was weird that Braun Str- I mean, that Brock Lesnar was there in the opening segment and then just had no interest in sticking around for like to see like the three other dudes fight at the end of the show, which was inevitable. Yeah. I get keeping them separate. It's sort of like they're again, we're back to Brock Lesnar exists in an alternate pr- timeline and or just like an alternate dimension. And it's crazy. You just always, you know, combine the kayfabe and the shoot and say, well, Brock Lesnar is the biggest star in wrestling and he has a special contract and gets to do what he wants. So, of course, he's just going to go home and like, I don't need this. Yeah, I'll beat him up. The with, other guys should just want to like run in. Yeah. At the beginning and the mm-hmm. first segment. It's just sort of crazy. It's it's crazy that they're that all three of the other dudes were involved in the main event. And of course they were. It's a, the right decision. But that all three of those guys are wrapped up together. And Brock is just like wearing a blue t-shirt and body slamming the Miztourage. Great the- segment, by the way. Oh, yeah. But back in the day, back in the Attitude Era, people would, you'd see them arrive, you'd see them leave, and it would make sense. That's why Austin's not here, uh, in, involved in this segment, because Austin's not here yet, or McMahon left, and so that's why he's not interfering in this rock match or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Brock Lesnar's gimmick was like, I got to get to bed early because I'm hunting tomorrow, <laughs> like, that's fine. Like, that to give us a little explanation. Yeah. But we got to get out of here, don't we? We do got to get out of here. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to go to our Twitter account or whatever, at Mask Man Show, to check out Braun Strowman and all the weird videos I was talking about earlier. Chris Taylor, one of the all-time greats. We'll be back here next week again for a second SummerSlam preview. We'll talk about some NXT. We'll go in, we'll deep dive on the main event. We'll have some G1 we can talk about too. G1 Climax final. Talk about 50-50 booking, man. <laughs> That's that's how you book a round robin tournament. It's like everybody yeah, wins. Everybody and, gets a win. Um, anyway, yes, we'll talk about the G1 and uh, and then SummerSlam, the greatest wrestling event. In the history of our sport. Smarksalmania is here. <laughs> is it smarky enough? We'll answer yeah. that question next week. Anyway, thanks for listening to The Masked Man Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Apologies to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. Fuck, who cares? It's wrestling. Um, Yeah, man. Wrestling's fun. SummerSlam is just around the corner. And if you haven't already heard about the new mobile game, WWE Tap Mania from Sega, you've got to check it out. Become a superstar, jump into the ring, and unleash the mania. You got that, Shelling? I got it. I love that game. I actually downloaded it. It's a lot of fun. You can even build a team of your favorite superstars and legends. It's the best quick break game around. So download WWE Tap Mania now. 
for free in the App Store and our Google Play.